Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. I'm Paula Degnan. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. This week, sudden cardiac arrest in youth, parents and kids' healthy nutrition back to school, and a gala coming up at the Rossetti Estate in Scranton. Ken Hussey and Dr. Joe Olivieri are here to invite you. All right, Dr. Joe, I'm going to start with you. How about the history of the Rossetti Foundation for the Arts and Culture? Been going on for about uh, 15 years with this break here with the COVID of the last three, uh, three years. This was started by uh, Father Mark Rossetti. His dream was to give people in Northeast Pennsylvania the art and culture and make them feel better about themselves. Quote, I'm quoting him right now. And what he tried to do was encourage the art and encourage people to have sort of like therapy by music and by the art. Everything is art. Painting is art. Making furniture is art. Cooking is art, especially by music. He gave his all for this. What we did was we would have people offer that estate as a, a place where they can perform. People that came to be advertising whatever by word of mouth. The money that was collected would go to the artist. Nothing does. We didn't make anything out of it. We would provide place, food. Mark was a great cook. Sometimes we had catered, charged them nothing. We took on the expense of that. It, it, it would occur every, maybe every weekend, you know, it's for a long, long time. Also, anybody who came to the house was welcome at the table. It was an open-door policy. Anybody could come into these parties or these, uh, anyone could come to the door and come in. They didn't have anything. They couldn't pay. They, they didn't, couldn't pay. That was it. They came in anyway. That's the uh, the foundation of uh, the Rosé Trust for the Art. And it's sort of like therapy through artistic endeavors. And also teaching people. You have a lot of people in, in the area here who are uh, isolated, older people, uh, younger people, who the public school system is not not really adequate for them as far as uh, the arts is concerned. And uh, we would encourage everyone to come in to do what they could do, express themselves in the arts. And uh, like I said before, we would, that's how we encourage it. To that end, you have a very special event that's coming up. And Ken, yep. tell us all about it. Sure. Well, on September the 25th, we're having our first gala under the Rossetti Foundation for the Arts and Cultures. The idea was to really celebrate all of the, you know, the local talent, to emphasize what our mission is, which is to create a more artistic community within Scranton 
So we've invited a lot of performers to come. So we have performers that sing opera, Spanish guitarists. We have singers. We have a pianist who's going to do, you know, Rhapsody. You know, there's a lot of different talent. And they're so excited about it. They have been thrilled about coming on that day. It's going to be from 6.30 to 9.30. We're going to have hors d'oeuvres. We're going to have drinks and just a lot of live entertainment. So we're selling tickets as a fundraiser. So then we can continuously do these kinds of things, bring about more expression of the arts. So we're very, very thrilled about that. So the gala, again, is on September 25th. And where is the estate? Ah, 1005 Vine Street. And that is in Scranton at the corner of Vine and Quincy. A lot of people walk by the house. They're always saying things like, I've always wanted to know what was in there. They all, some people think it's a church. They don't really know. So we're excited about allowing people to come and to visit. It's, a, it's an exquisite uh, estate. It has a lot of wonderful design. Uh, Father Mark you know, really embrace the Baroque Rococo style. So you see that throughout, a lot of the bright colors, stained glass, and it's a very nice place to be in order to see how art through the eyes of Father Mark present itself. Well, now that you've whet our appetite, how do we get tickets? Well, you can go to rosettiarts.org, uh, R-O-S-S-E-T-T-I, arts, A-R-T-S, dot org. And right on the main page, there is a banner that says gala, and it says to purchase tickets. And it's a safe, secure website through PayPal, and uh, it takes all credit cards. You can even mail in a check to the estate. Yeah, you'll get your tickets, and we'll be looking forward to seeing you. I think it's going to be really a fun event. Dr. Joe, I'm going to give you the last word. You invite everybody and tell them why they should be there. The place is something to see. There's been a lot of improvement under... Uh, present owner. It's absolutely beautiful. It's something from another era, but like something from Europe, but not quite. <laughs> Yet American, but not quite. Uh, very educational, just walking in there. There's a sense of peace in that place, too, that you can't miss when you walk in. There's a lot of people that are, that are good art. They don't realize you know, what kind of, how good they are. Uh, and so it's mesmerizing to see uh, people dancing and, and uh, different types of instruments. We also developed this uh, idea of having opera singers. They would walk through the place, the crowd, and then let's say there was time for an aria. Well, the two people would get together, and as they walked through the crowd, they would say what this aria is about, go through a little bit of the, of the, the words of one to the other, and then, and then sing the aria. It's a big education big education for everybody. And it's very, very entertaining because you, can, you go to these places for the arts and, and first of all, there's expenses. Second of all, you're far away. Go to the Met and you're far away. It's like you're in, the, you're in another, you need a telescope to <laughs> see the stage. Uh, and this is right there in front of your face. The rooms are, are, are absolutely laid out beautifully and the acoustics are wonderful. Uh, as president and vice president of the rest of the board, we're, we're both very open-minded. We'd like to see, like I said, everything is art. Is I said, everything could be art. We want this to be a place where the arts in Northeast Pennsylvania would be enhanced, and people that walk into the, place, into the house, they leave with a sense of that life is better than they thought it was. And that's Father Mark's big idea. And it's the idea of the people who are in charge right now uh, of the place. That is our, exactly our idea, exactly what it was from the beginning. 
is now, and I hope every shall be. So whose sister is the artist who's going to have some paintings on display? Oh, she is my sister. Moyo Safi. We, we're going to be putting up the art this weekend. Uh, she came from North Carolina. She specifically did art for the gala. She does beautiful work on UFO paper. It's very lively and colorful. And it shows, you know, like other forms of art, movement and light. She's going to be thrilled to see everything come to fruition. So, yeah, that's my sister. <laughs> Sorry, Dr. Joe. I had to take the last word away from you. I didn't want to get that's Ken okay. to get in trouble. <laughs> so it sounds to me like there is another hidden gem in Northeast Pennsylvania yes. that we don't know yeah. about and need to get out and see. It's a big gem. You should come and see <laughs> You'll be surprised. Thanks to Dr. Joe and Ken for all the information on the upcoming Grand Gala Celebration at Rossetti Estate in Scranton. For more information, rossettiarts.org. Next, good nutrition for back to school for kids and parents on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. The school bells are ringing and Dawn Webster, Advanced Practice Clinician Director with MedExpress, has tips on getting kids back to school healthy and staying healthy. Then, for parents, some good nutrition tips not only for the kids, but for you as well. Dawn, here we are. Can you believe it? The kids are going back to school. Are your kids ready? They are. Ready or not, they're going. <laughs> well, if they're like the rest of them, there's probably things that uh, they're going to have to get reused to or used to if they're going in for the first time, maybe like kindergartners. So what are some of the things that we need to know, we need to know in order to keep them safe? Sure. So the first thing, um, just, you know, the same that would be every year in the years prior to COVID would be the general hand washing, covering sneezes with masks on. It's going to help, but they should still know to turn away from other people. Same thing when they're coughing. And then after they blow their nose, cough, sneeze, touch their face, touch their mask to go wash their hands or use hand sanitizer. So general safety in terms of hand washing and um, really the other thing I'd like to mention is it's probably a good idea to send an extra mask or two with your kids in case they do sneeze or cough a lot. Um, That way they can change it and they're not wearing the same one all day. And of course, that is something that is different in years past, but there are still things that we've been doing to keep kids safe for a long time. What are some of those that maybe have kind of fallen through the cracks with all this other new stuff that we've been talking about? Well, one of the things that, you know, is important to keep in mind right now are the vaccinations that are required that aren't the ones being talked about. So the hepatitis vaccine, the polio, measles, mumps, rubella, um, the tetanus, diphtheria, pertussis, those are all vaccines that are also required that are kind of getting forgot about right now. And, you know, it's kind of a good thing to keep in mind to, to make sure that those are all up to date. And there's a couple other ones that are recommended but not required, like the seasonal influenza, um, HPV, the meningococcal vaccine. Those are ones that talk to the pediatrician about too to see if those are ones that would be recommended for your children. Keeping kids safe. It doesn't start once they get into the classroom. What do you have as far as from that side of the whole thing? Keep in mind that this year 
it is a little bit different than, you know, five years ago. So if your child wakes up and they say they don't feel good or they just look run down or they do have cold symptoms, you know, you really have to be diligent about that. In the past, you know, if a kid didn't have a fever or they weren't throwing up, you know, most parents sent them to school. But the schools don't want you to do that this year. They want you to be very diligent about taking their temperature and not sending them if it's higher than 100.4 degrees. Um, if they have any type of upset stomach, sore throat, cough, even though those are symptoms of the cold, they don't want the kids coming to school with those at all this year. That's going to be tough. Parents know when kids go back to school, that's when all that starts. So any advice there? Besides hand washing, I would say make sure that they're taking a good multivitamin, some vitamin C, a good immunity support vitamin, and then also lots of rest and lots of water. Really, we want to keep them healthy, keep them, you know, running at their absolute best. And the only way to do that is to make sure that they're drinking lots of water, getting the rest they need. Because when the body gets run down, that's really when these even just common cold viruses set in. Is there a difference, too, because I feel like we're talking about younger children. Well, we still have kids that are junior high, high school. They're pretty much want to be on their own and, you know, take care of their their own stuff. So what do you do in order to help them without stepping on their bounds? That's a little bit tougher because, like you said, most of them are very headstrong. They're, they're older. They want to make their own decisions. So really, the best thing to do would be to sit them down, talk to them. If they want to stay in school, they have to stay healthy. Give them options. Let them go with you to pick out what vitamins they want to take, um, you know, to choose the form. Do they want to swallow a pill? Do they want a gummy? You know, I think it's best to give them options and let them have some say in what they're choosing to do. I feel like they always respond better when they feel like they have some control over the situation. There are so many things that are different. Are there any other things that might be tried and true that maybe we should just remind everybody about? Well, I think one of the important things that we should probably quickly touch on is just looking at mental health challenges with the pandemic. So besides getting sick physically, um, there, there's a huge impact on kids right now psychologically also. The older kids, you know, are angry because they don't they don't want school to be this way. They remember school when they didn't have to wear masks and they didn't have to social distance. And so, you know, they can be upset about that. The younger kids, they don't really remember a difference, especially if, it, if they're only in, you know, kindergarten, first, second grade. But you also have to kind of remember that going to school, seeing everyone in masks, not having that face-to-face contact, you know, that can cause excessive worry, sadness. So we really have to pay attention to our kids and, and support them. Um, if, if they do seem extra cranky or, or moody or grumpy, I mean, they may be suffering from emotional distress. So it's really good to make sure you talk to them, sit them down, make sure that they are, you know, understanding that they're safe and See what's going on. We, we don't want to brush this under the rug. We want to really make sure that they know that we're here to listen to them and support them because, you know, the absolute last thing we would want are, you know, to, to just not recognize that there are some mental health challenges right now also. And again, there are so many when you say keeping kids healthy, sometimes we don't think about that. And I'm glad that you pointed that out because that has become a very important topic uh, aside from all of the other healthy things as well. 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's one of the things that isn't as commonly looked at as the physical cold symptoms, fevers, other symptoms that they get right now with COVID. You know, we really have to look at their at their psychological well-being also. Anything else, Dawn, before we let you go? Um, no, I think that, you know, just really make sure that they are happy and healthy and, and are doing the best they can in our situation. Thanks again, Dawn, for all the great advice. Now we're going to hear from Courtney McCormick, corporate dietitian with Nutrisystem. She has healthy tips for back-to-school kids and all those parents and caregivers who say, so you didn't finish your peanut butter and jelly sandwich? All right, I'll have it for dinner. Courtney, it's back to school time, but the thing I like about this is you're not going to talk about kids and nutrition going back to school. You're going to talk about parents. What a novel idea. They have to eat too. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times as we get back into that school routine, we're so focused on getting the kids prepped and ready and making sure we're packing their healthy lunches. But sometimes as parents, we forget about ourselves and how important it is to make sure that we're eating healthy too, that we're exercising and that we're just living that healthy lifestyle as well. Well, you have certainly opened up the door because everybody who's listening now is thinking, Courtney, you're absolutely right. So what's the magic formula to bring all this together so that parents and caregivers don't get caught up in the mix of, well, I'll just have the peanut butter and jelly sandwich that they didn't eat for lunch? I think for me, it always goes back to just making sure we have a plan and that we're prepared. And so I think as we get back into that school routine, many of us, you know, try to have somewhat of a schedule. So I think as we think about our own lifestyle as parents, it's also important to just schedule some time for yourself to make sure that you're scheduling that time to work out or exercise or get that physical activity in, making sure you're scheduling some time to prepare a healthy meal, whether it's the night before, whether it's on a Sunday. But the important thing that I tell people is really to just make sure that you're you're, you're planning for it. So write it in your calendar, just as you would write any type of appointment, a doctor's appointment, a you know back to school night appointment, those types of things. Put it in the calendar and just dedicate that time to you. When we're talking about food, what are the staples of the of things that maybe parents, caregivers should always have on hand, not only for the kids, but for themselves. I always say the staples go back to just the basics, right? Making sure you have those fruits, and vegetables, making sure you have healthy, lean protein. So things like chicken, fish, um, beans are a really great affordable protein that a lot of time get overlooked and they're so convenient. And then making sure you have, you know, low fat dairy, making sure you have some whole grains in there, whether again, whether it's brown rice, cereals, just having that variety of food and then really making sure your overall diet is balanced is really the key. One of the other things, too, then, as people are hearing this is, well, I don't have time to be making all those things, Courtney. So what happens when I say maybe we're just eating things because they're convenient, not necessarily because they're good for us? Yeah. And again, I think that goes back to that that preparation, right? Making sure that we're planning ahead. The, the good thing is, is as we go to the different grocery stores today, there's so many options out there for convenient foods. You know, there's grilled chicken that's already cooked. There's fruits and vegetables that are already chopped up and ready to go. Um, so there's lots of choices out there. So you just, I think you have to really figure out, sit down, take some time, think about what's going to work best for you and your family. But, you know, you can buy prepackaged salads that are already just ready to dump and add a little bit of protein 
protein on top. The other really great thing is walking down that frozen food aisle. I think a lot of times people think that our foods need to be all fresh, um, but there's so many healthy options and convenient, quick options in that frozen food aisle. So pick up a bag of frozen vegetables, you know, and and have it as your side with your dinner um, is a great way to get those fruits and vegetables in. The other thing, too, is when you're thinking about all this, you are focusing on your children usually. And there are things, because we have picky eaters, is there a way to merge everybody together so you don't end up making two meals, three meals, everybody has an opinion and I won't eat this. I'm sure you've been there, Courtney, or at least you've heard the stories. <laughs> yes, I, I, I have a five-year-old at home, so I, I've been there. Um, and I and I will say, I think there are ways you can think about taking that meal. Um, so plan one meal for the whole family and think about how you may be able to deconstruct it a little bit for those picky eaters. Um, you know, so I know my son's not going to eat spicy foods, right? So if I'm making something like chili, I'm going to put some aside for him before I add those spices to it for mine so that I know that there's a better chance of him trying it um, when I put it on the table. I'll also say when it comes to picky eaters, I found that if you just sit those fruits and vegetables out, chopped up, put them on a plate in a way where they can kind of walk past and see them, um, in my house anyway, they tend to disappear when you do that. Um, and then I also think with kids, it's important to be that role model. If they see us eating those healthy foods as parents, they're more likely to also try it themselves. And my last tip for kids is, again, to try over and over again, because it, it takes more than one time. So even as adults, right, we may not like it the first time, but maybe that second or third time we'll like it. So just keep keep trying those those healthy foods. And I think probably, you know, everybody focuses on dinner and packing lunches, but I think breakfast is probably one of the worst because I'll sleep a bit later. I won't eat this. I won't eat that. What do we do about breakfast? Because you have to have it or you should. Absolutely. Breakfast is really important. Um, And I think it's important, again, to just plan ahead. Create a list of maybe four or five go-to quick breakfast options that you have and make sure you have them on hand. I know in our house, things like, you know, apples and bananas are quick as you run out the door to grab that produce. Things like whole mini whole wheat bagels with peanut butter on top are another really great option that's quick and convenient. Um, So again, I think every family's taste um, will be a little bit different. So And there's lots of healthy options out there. So I say start with just kind of getting a list together of maybe four or five different options that you and your family could have for breakfast and, and make sure they're available in your house. And then again, prep them the night before, if you can, just makes the morning rush go a little bit smoother. Courtney, what else? What have I missed? What would you like to uh, leave with our listeners today as far as parents, self-care, and heading back to school? Yeah, I just think the important thing is just to find that me time as a parent, even if it's five minutes, it's so important um, to just take care of yourself and your health as well. And if you're looking for more information and tips, we have lots of recipes and articles on our blog, The Leaf. And you can access that at leaf.nutrisystem.com. Courtney, thank you. And uh, you give that five-year-old big hugs. <laughs> thank you so much, Paula. You have a great day. Thanks once again to Dawn Webster, Advanced Practice Clinician Director with MedExpress, and Courtney McCormick, Corporate Dietitian with Nutrisystem, for healthy tips for parents and their children during this back-to-school season. 
Coming up next, Julie Walker, the Peyton Walker Foundation Executive Director and Peyton's mom, to talk about sudden cardiac arrest in youth on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. What is sudden cardiac arrest in youth? Just as it sounds, it happens suddenly and there's usually no warning. Julie Walker, the Peyton Walker Foundation Executive Director and Peyton's mom, has all the details. Julie, welcome back. It has been quite a while since we had the opportunity to chat. So before we get into what's been happening, for the benefit of our listeners who don't know, tell us about the Peyton Walker Foundation and, of course, about Peyton. Well, Paula, thank you so much for inviting us back. It has been a while, and we're thrilled to to have your platform to be able to share the message of the work that we're doing. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, uh, Peyton was a sophomore at King's College studying to be a physician assistant, wanted to work in healthcare. Um, she was in her second year in the fall of 2013, and we got the phone call that no parent ever wants to get. And it absolutely, life as I knew it and loved it, ended at that moment. It was the first phone call we got was on a Saturday morning, November 2nd, 2013, uh, from the president of King's College calling to tell us that our daughter had just been taken by ambulance to the hospital. That was the only information he had shared with us. So as you can imagine, we were reeling. We had no idea what was happening, what to expect. Uh, so we started to get ready to get in the car to drive up to Wilkes-Barre. We're in the Mechanicsburg area about two hours away uh, when our phone rang again. And this time it was a nurse calling from the Wilkes-Barre Hospital Emergency Department. And uh, I get goosebumps even telling the story right now, but she was calling to tell us that our daughter had just been brought into the ER in full cardiac arrest. And if you can, you know, parents of a 19-year-old, those aren't words that you expect to hear. And my husband and I were just absolutely baffled. Like, what what does that mean? What is full, what is cardiac arrest? And we knew this, this was not good. And my husband, some, for some reason, had the wherewithal to ask, is she breathing on her own? And the nurse said, no, she is not. So please come as quickly and safely as you can. Wow. So we started out on that two-hour drive. And, yeah, I mean, that's... You want to get there, but you don't because you know it's probably not going to be a good outcome. And uh, made the track up there. As soon as we pulled into the parking lot, we saw two of the priests standing in the emergency room um, area. So we knew. And, and just making that decision to get out of the car and walk in and face our worst nightmare, that was oh, just heart-wrenching to, to do that. So, you know, got out of the car, made the walk, and then received the news that we had lost Peyton to, to cardiac arrest. So we, you know, we thought, wow, what can we do with this? Peyton wanted to work in healthcare. How can we, how can we make something of this? Um, and the decision was kind of solidified a few weeks after we lost Peyton. I finally worked up the courage to open the bag of clothing that the hospital had given me, the clothes that she had been wearing that day. And I pulled out this T-shirt. It was a red long sleeve T-shirt with white imprint on the back of it. It said, what we do for ourselves dies with us, what we do for others in the world remains and is immortal. And every hair on my body stood on end. I was like, oh my gosh, she's wearing this shirt on the day she dies and leaves this world. But boy, did she leave us with a mission. Wow. So, yeah, I know. It's wow. unbelievable. And yeah, it is, it is a wow moment. Um, 
So we, we took that and my husband said, you know, we, we've got to help others' families and, and keep, you know, save other families from this potential heartache. So we started researching sudden cardiac arrest, started the Peyton Walker Foundation, and we have since then just worked relentlessly to save other families from this, this absolute heartache and this devastating nightmare that, that has, you know, descended upon our family. Um, and we, we've been so blessed. We've had so many resources put in our path along the way. Every every time we've asked for something, it's been a yes. Uh, we've gotten all of the major healthcare systems in central Pennsylvania and up in, in the Wilkes-Barre area working with us to try to provide heart screenings and, you know, donate AEDs and teach CPR. So we, we just, we've had an incredibly impactful um, five or six years along the journey so far. Well, once again, Julie, my heart goes out to you, your family. Um, I mean, and just to be able to take such a loss as that and turn it into such a, a organization that the Peyton Walker Foundation has become was, and I know one of the reasons that um, you're that I wanted to get in touch with you, especially around this time of the year, is it's becoming fall sports season again. And you've been working an awful lot with coaches and athletes as far as getting the word out about the sudden cardiac arrest in youth. Was Peyton active in sports? Well, at the time, um, she was not participating in sports. And so we have a really different story than most of the other families I've met along this journey who also lost children to sudden cardiac arrest. We actually knew Peyton had a heart issue. Um, I was diagnosed in my late 20s, and then they started checking the children, all three of my children, as soon as they diagnosed it in me because it is a hereditary issue. So we actually, we found it in Peyton when she was in fifth grade. Um, by the time she hit high school, she was pulled from sports, was not allowed to participate in sports anymore. So she was even under the care of a cardiologist on medication, reduced activities, and this still tragically happened to our family. Um, so we had all the tools and resources and, and knew. So that's why we go even above and beyond because there are so many kids. There's, you know, two to three percent of kids walking around out there with undetected heart issues. So you know, we just earlier in the summer, we saw on a world stage, we saw a professional athlete go down during a soccer game um, in Europe. Everyone in the world got to see what sudden cardiac arrest looks like. And so when you see an athlete drop over on the field, you know, without warning, you've got to assume this is sudden cardiac arrest. And, and you know, getting back to the, to the point of now that we're getting ready to start fall, fall sports, this is the time to really pay attention. You know, it's sudden cardiac arrest is the number one killer of student athletes in our country. And every hour, every day, we're losing another child to cardiac arrest. But I want to say, too, it doesn't affect only athletes. It also happens to children who aren't participating in sports. So we want to have a closer eye on all children um, because it does affect all kids across the board. And when you're talking about all kids across the board, Peyton was 19. We're looking at sports. So we're looking into um, probably the mid-teens into early 20s. Is that, the, is that what you've been finding as far as an age range is concerned? Or are we even talking into grade school? Well, when we, we go out and do our heart screenings and we screen kids from 12 to 19 years old and, and we, and most of the parents that I have met who lost children to sudden cardiac arrest, it, they, almost all of them have been in their teenage years. 
So we're not sure if that's when things are a little bit more prevalent. You know, that's when the, the sudden cardiac arrest is more likely to happen. We don't, and the problem is too, there's just not enough data out there. And, and it's, it's not sudden cardiac arrest deaths in youth. It's just not tracked properly. There's not a national database for this. I mean, I can guarantee you Peyton's death was not accounted for anywhere. We don't really know the true numbers. We don't know the age of when it's most likely to, to hit and impact kids. So it, we're, we're kind of back into a corner and trying to make a difference. And that, that's why, you know, we got Peyton's Law passed last year, um, but we've got so much more work to do to try to make a difference so that we can catch these hidden heart issues that do lead to cardiac arrest. Let's talk a little bit about that. What is Peyton's Law and how did it come about? Boy, just talking about it puts a smile on my face. Um, Peyton's Law was passed in 2020. So we are only the second state in the United States to have heart screening-related legislation passed for, for kids. Texas was passed first um, about a year before we, we got it done. So what it does, um, any child who participates in sports all throughout the state of Pennsylvania has to sign um, a form that's put, put out by the PIAA, the Pennsylvania Interscholastic Athletic Association. So these forms, um, it's information kids have to get their sports physicals. There's a form in there now about sudden cardiac arrest, the signs and symptoms to watch for. And what Peyton's Law did, it added information on that form that parents and students must read and sign. It adds info on there about how a simple electrocardiogram can help detect the hidden heart issues in athletes and why it's so important to get that heart test um, to see if we can find those heart issues that lead to cardiac arrest. So we feel like that was the first step um, in really trying to raise awareness of heart screening and why, why it has such an impact. And we're, we're, we've taken that, and now we're really, I'm calling it Peyton's Law 2.0. We want to do better. We want to work with the insurance companies, with all the healthcare systems, and make electrocardiograms the standard of care for all kids moving forward. So we're, we're launching that initiative now. And I know it's an uphill battle, but I have broad shoulders. I'm ready for the fight. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm taking this on. It's going to be, it's going to be a battle, but you know, I'm fighting for the parents and, you know, parents and siblings and grandparents, aunts, uncles out there so that they don't have this loss in their life that they have to carry for the rest of their lives. As you said, it's not just athletes. It could be anyone. Could be anyone. I want to mention PeytonWalker.org because what a treasure is your website. There oh, is, thank you. There's so much information there and you get to see your smiling face. It's wonderful when, when you have all of this information, but again, it must have been an uphill battle because how many people have you run into that would say, well, there's nothing wrong with my child. Right. I mean, you look at these kids and, and I just did a presentation to uh, coaches and players over the weekend. Um, and you look at these, these photos of the kids who have suffered sudden cardiac arrest and, and the lives that we lost. They look healthy. You cannot see an electrical problem in a child's heart. And, and that's what's so frustrating. You know, we, we don't know. We can't say, oh, you know, it looks like he might have a heart issue. You, you can't see. It's a hidden issue most often undiagnosed, undetected, it's very tragic. One of the most frustrating things, and I talk about this a lot, you know, we're giving kids the same physicals and the same sports physicals that we got as parents 30, 40, 50 years ago. So there's been no change in, in physicals in spite of all of the advances in medicine. 
And that to me is crazy, absolutely crazy. Why are we not being more sophisticated in our physicals and looking for these issues that can lead to sudden death? I mean, we're checking kids for hernia, but hernia is not going to kill a child. You know, why are we not checking for potential issues that could that cause sudden death? So we're, we're hoping to affect change, you know, Peyton's Law 2.0, really go after the healthcare systems, really go after the insurance providers to get this covered. But what we want to do, and part of the reason I wanted to talk with you today is educate parents. You know, when you take your kids in for sports physicals or in for the well-child physicals, have a conversation with your pediatrician or with your primary care doc and say, you know what? Hey, I've heard about this sudden cardiac arrest thing. How about we do a simple electrocardiogram for my child real quick? And here's the thing. If, you're, if your insurance company doesn't cover it, it's usually a relatively inexpensive test. And, you know, we have found it can be as low as $45 to get an electrocardiogram. And you think about kids are walking around with iPhones, you know, $1,500 iPhones. Can't we spend $45 and get an electrocardiogram too? You're not going to get any argument from me. I know. I left you speechless. I'm sorry. You did. You did. Because, because I, thought, I thought, how can anybody even have a debate over something such as that? You mentioned the fact going in, talking to your pediatrician, your primary care doc, then you may get the response, well, I listened to the heart. Everything sounds good. Are there things that maybe parents could watch for? That might absolutely okay. What would yeah, some of those a, be? That's a great question. And so here's what happens: a lot of times, kids feel things, but they dismiss it. To them, it's normal because it always happens. So they don't even recognize it as a sign or symptom of a potential hidden heart issue. So we we encourage parents to have conversations with the kiddos and you know talk to them. Are they having any pain or pressure in their chest? Any shortness of breath? Um, lightheadedness? You know, when you stand up and you get really, really lightheaded, that's that's not necessarily normal. If they're feeling any palpitations or kind of flutters in their chest, their their heartbeat's a little bit abnormal. And and the number one sign, this is so important, of a potential hidden heart issue is passing out. If your child is involved in sports or not even involved in sports and is, you know, has passed out, that is the number one red flag and, and we really encourage you take your kid to the doctor's office, ask for the electrocardiogram. And kids, they're, they're afraid of getting pulled from sports. They don't want to report that they're not feeling well because they want to play. I was just and going we, we, to ask you that. Yeah, that's why, you know, and we, we pound this into the coaches too. Like, you know, if, if a kid all of a sudden is struggling or they're, they're just not performing at the level they, they usually do, wow, ask them, is, you know, is everything okay? Like, don't berate and belittle these kids, like, thinking that they're weak or they're being lazy. Sometimes there could actually be an underlying issue going on that's preventing these kids from performing at maximum capacity. Having the conversations and just really relentlessly educating these kids and, make, you know, making sure, hey, you need, if you're feeling this, please report it. Tell your parent, tell your coach, tell your doctor, tell your athletic trainers. Have those conversations, Absolutely. The kids would be the first ones to say, I'm getting pain in my toe and mom and dad and a coach run out and get a brand new pair of sneakers or a brand new pair of cleats. But when it comes to something else, sometimes they may not say anything because you're right. I don't want to get pulled from playing. 
Absolutely. And, and that's, you know, talking about, we give the kids all these wonderful, all this wonderful equipment, equipment. We buy the best, <clears throat> the best cleats, the best shin guards, the best helmets, the best chest protectors, but we don't give them an electrocardiogram. You know, it, it's just, it's crazy when you look at, can't we just spend a little bit of extra money and make sure that everything, everything is okay with these kids and give them the ultimate protection that, that things are good. So, and you know, you had mentioned too, you know, with the physical, the doctors will typically listen to a kid's heart with a stethoscope. Well, you can't hear an electrical problem with a stethoscope. So that stethoscope is listening for plumbing issues in the heart, and plumbing issues lead to heart attacks, but electrical problems lead to cardiac arrest. You do different screenings. How do those work? So we've, we've been really blessed working with all the major healthcare systems in, in central PA, up in Wilkes-Barre as well with Geisinger. We'll go into schools and we set up free heart screening. So we'll screen a couple hundred kids at a time. We'll check their vitals. We check to see if they have any murmurs. And then we also give them an electrocardiogram. If anything comes back abnormal or if they have some family history that looks a little off to the doctors, they will also get an echocardiogram, which is an ultrasound of the heart. So they'll come to these screening clinics, again, free of charge. We do not collect insurance information. There's no co-pays. It's free. There's no catch. I always have to really emphasize that because in our society, we're so trained to be, you know, doubtful and skeptical. And so we'll screen a couple hundred kids at a time. Unfortunately, we've had to hit the pause button because of COVID. We have a screening coming up in mid-October. We're on pins and needles, hoping we don't have to postpone that one again. But yeah, we do them in central PA and we've partnered with King's College in the Wilkes-Barre area uh, for several heart screenings as well. So we're hoping Uh, I don't think it'll happen this year, but maybe next year we'll get that program back up and running as well. So completely free of charge. Every single heart screening we've done, we have found kids with hidden heart issues that were not previously diagnosed. So it's been incredible how successful the program has been and what, what we have been able to find. You also mentioned AEDs. They're very prominent in many places, even at the Little League field now. How does that work? We've been able to put out over 200 AEDs or automated defibrillators. And so when someone is in cardiac arrest, they need the shock from an AED to restore their heart rhythm. It's so important to start CPR, but they also need that electrical shock. Without that, the survival chances of survival are very, very, very low for sudden cardiac arrest. We've had two documented saves with AEDs that we have put out into the community. In fact, the second one just happened about two weeks ago, the Harrisburg City Police Department. We outfitted every one of their cruisers, and one of the police officers was able to save a life um, of a citizen in Harrisburg. So we are incredibly proud and grateful for that. For that. I mean, it just, it, you know, it it vindicates our work and why why we do what we do. We had one save uh, two summers ago of a young mom. Um, she was at a game and collapsed with sudden cardiac arrest. Our AED was used to save her. And it was kind of one of those moments, like, I, I was so proud, and I just felt like this was this is Peyton's work. And, that, you know, she, losing Peyton, we paid the ultimate price, but now we're able to kind of pay it forward and save other lives. And it, And I've said, if I achieve nothing else in my life, this is enough. Knowing we saved one life, but now knowing we saved two, it's unbelievable the feeling that we've, we've had because of the work. You've given me chills throughout this entire interview. <laughs> <laughs> pretty well, powerful, pretty the, powerful. One of those things that seems to sometimes get lost in the shuffle is CPR. People are afraid to do CPR. Yes. You know, 
years ago, you, you would do CPR, the chest compressions, and then you would also have to do the rescue breathing. So, you know, now we're at a point in life, people don't want to put their mouth on a stranger's mouth. And we don't know, you know, have, has there, is there fentanyl involved or there drugs? It's a, it could be a dangerous situation. Thankfully, CPR um, guidelines have changed. So if you see someone collapse, they're non-responsive, obviously call 911 first and foremost, but get those chest compressions started and you do not have to do rescue breathing now. Just get that, you know, you do the chest compressions, you're going to get that blood flowing through the body and hopefully you're able to have access to an AED and get that shock delivered. And I want to revisit just the conversation about AEDs. So like we have donated over 200 all throughout um, Central PA and we've donated some up in the Wilkes-Barre area as well. So jump out to PeytonWalker.org, read about our AED donation program. And if you're in a geographical area that um, we provide services to, please feel free to apply. We provide them to to schools, um, youth athletic leagues, other nonprofits. Uh, We really want to get them out there, make them accessible to the community because we know they save lives. Mentioning the fact that Peyton was a physician's assistant student, at King's College, you also have a scholarship there as well. We do. This is another project that really makes me smile. We have we have donated in the past uh, seven years over a hundred thousand dollars to King's College to provide scholarships for um, other students who are, who are working in the physician assistant program. So we know it's tough times. You know, it's, it's it's so hard to put yourself through college, and so we we offer this scholarship. We hope to really support the future physician assistants that are going to be working in healthcare and, you know, in effect, hopefully we, they can work with us and affect change moving forward. And, you know, they're going to be receptive to sudden cardiac arrest and just have a different perspective on, on things in the future. So we're really, really proud to work with King's College, provide these educational opportunities for the kids and, and really make a difference in a lot of young lives. COVID, we know it had an impact on everyone. People do like to help. And of course, I'm sure donations are one way, but you're also asking for volunteers. There's a lot of different opportunities. It is a labor of love. Let me tell you, when we go out and do these heart screenings, it takes about 60 medical providers um, and it takes about 60 uh, non-medical volunteers to help organize and, and uh, execute these screenings. So we're always needing volunteers for that. We go out and do a lot of community CPR demonstrations. We're always looking for volunteers to help with that. If anyone's interested in helping to provide CPR teaching and instruction, somebody hears this message today and they want to help spread the mission and spread the word. Talk about sudden cardiac arrest at your schools. Make sure your coaches are educated. You know, make sure AEDs are available where your kids play and practice sports. So people can really take this on as their own mission and really help to protect the youth um, and, and keep down the incidence of sudden cardiac arrest. There's endless opportunities. You have endless energy because <laughs> you're you're passionate about what you're talking about for obvious reasons, but more so for the fact that you're trying to get the word out about something that it always says to me, it's not like a broken ankle. You can't see it. You don't know it exists, but you know that there's something going on. So before I have to let you go, what would you like to, again, reiterate, leave with our listeners today so that the Peyton Walker Foundation can continue to get the message out there and we can be part of the conduit that sends it that way? Well, thank you, Paula. Um, You know, I I say all the time, I I honestly and truly feel like our family was chosen. We were chosen to be Peyton's parents. 
her this was her life plan. She was only going to be with us for a short time, and then we were going to affect change and make a big difference in the world on her behalf. So I take that as an honor that we were chosen for this mission, and I will work relentlessly to save other parents. So with that, I, I would say, number one, parents or grandparents, when you take your kids for physicals and sports physicals, ask for an electrocardiogram. We've got to get everyone asking for this and really, you know, put the pressure on the medical community to provide this life-saving test and be, be vigilant about that. You get, get that electrocardiogram, number one. Number two, make sure there is an AED where your kids practice and play sports. We have found that sudden cardiac arrest is more likely to happen during a practice than actually during a game. So make sure they're available during practice and, and games. And make sure they're available where your kids congregate. If your kids aren't athletes, make sure their AED is available at their schools. You know, anywhere that you've got a group of kids, make sure there's access to an AED. Uh, push the issue where, if needed. And then learn CPR. That's a really simple thing. It doesn't, you can even go online, watch video, learn CPR. You don't have to be certified. You just have to know what to do in the event of an emergency. So, you know, get empowered, know what to do, call 911, start CPR and get an AED. Um, and just talk about this with, with parents, coaches, friends, everyone. Just really raise awareness and get the messaging out. Thanks for listening to Special Edition a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.